Well, we've talked much this year about the legalization of cannabis here in Minnesota. It's also legal, obviously, in uh, many other states, and that has caused a boom in THC beverages. Many breweries coming out with a lot of different options for THC beverages, and um, you're seeing those pop up at a lot of parties. My question for you, Jordana, totally. is mm-hmm. do you think that five years from now or ten years from now that THC beverages will be the drink of choice or will rival alcoholic beverages at, say, your New Year's Eve party? Ooh, gosh, this is an excellent question. Um, yeah, I'm going to say they will. Mm. I'm going to say they will because, you know, some people, you know, alcohol is, again, pot has other issues, but alcohol is, is poison. It's not great for the body. It's a bad hangover. Yeah. I think these THC beverages, I think people will look at getting high instead of getting drunk yeah. as something a little bit safer mm-hmm. and, you know, for the body, a more healthful thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, yes. Also, they taste delicious. They can taste like anything you mm-hmm. want them to taste. Not that alcohol doesn't, but alcohol definitely has a, a taste to it. You know, when kids drink, they don't like beer or wine when they start drinking. Now, of course, they have like White Claws and things like that, but um Yes, I think they will. Did you, uh, David? I know you you celebrated with some people. Uh, did you, you did you have any of these drinks, or did you serve alcohol? Uh, no, we served alcohol, and yeah, okay. we yeah. I have not gotten into the THC beverages, but I several of my friends that were there have before, and we were chatting about it. And I agree with you that I mean I think of. Um, you know, when you host like a family party when there's kids around, yeah. you've got two coolers, right? There's the kids' drink mm-hmm. cooler and there's the adults' drinks mm-hmm. cooler. And That's I right. think a lot of parties will, you know, will soon have three coolers, right? Where you go, okay, yeah. the THC ones are in there, the alcohol ones are in there, the non are in there. And it will just become a normal thing where like, what's your, you know, it's a party, we're having fun, we're celebrating, what's your drink of choice? Um, those are the options. I, I think I, it'll I take agree. a few more years, but I think it'll be getting normalized um, pretty soon. And there's also this social convention, like not, you know, not like smoking a joint publicly. Maybe it's not yet as accepted as it is might be. And maybe in younger generations, you know, it it certainly wasn't when I was growing up. It was Mm -hmm. illegal and what have you. Now that it's legal, it might get a little different. But I think the social convention of having a drink with THC is a a lot more accepted than smoking a joint openly at a party, especially around kids. Yeah. Uh, Even though you might smoke a cigarette that way. So we're just um, very, like, what do you do at a party? You, you crack open a beverage, you toast a beverage, you pass around a drink. Mm -hmm. Hey, can I get you a drink? Like that's very socially acceptable. And I think that uh, to me in in like a party sense, that's how THC will be, will be widespread use. Mike is my guess. Yes. I I would agree with you. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of folks making goals this time of year. Um, I don't know how much you make goals or New Year's resolutions, but here's the one I want to ask you about. Uh, what is one travel goal? What is one place you'd like to go to and visit in 2024? So like a place I haven't been before? Uh, no, it could be a place you've been before. You want to go back to either either way. But what's one place you'd like to travel to? Um. Well, honestly, okay, it's going to be lame, but I want to go to Florida and see my parents. Mm. Uh, I do. They're not getting any younger. Yeah. And I, we love going down there. Mark loves being there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just, it's warmer. We can take walks and have the dog run around. And um, that's, and I want to spend time with my parents. Yeah. So that is something I'm going to happen. I, ideally, though, I'll, I'll tell you this, that's something that I know is going to happen. My goal would be to go to Madrid 
because Marley is studying abroad this semester. She leaves in about two weeks and she'll be there for about six months on her study abroad program. Mm -hmm. And I have never been to Spain uh, and I would love to go and visit her in Madrid. I don't know that financially that's going to be a possibility. I'm going to have two kids in college and whatnot, but I would aspirationally, I would love to go to Madrid and visit my kid who's studying abroad there. That's a great goal. What about you? I think you should go. Yeah, what about you? I would Um, love to go, yes. Yeah, we have a few trips planned already, but I would say a Mm -hmm. goal for us is, um, you know, we always feel like we go through a Minnesota summer and never really take advantage of it. And We would like to spend a lengthy amount of time in northern Minnesota um, with our family, um, camping and camping the way we want to camp. Because I feel like Mm. we're always running around, we're with other friends, we're going to this thing, and... Um, it, just the, the north woods of Minnesota with my family for four or five days sounds really nice. And often we go through a summer and we go, shoot, we never really did that. So that would be a goal for us. Oh, this year. I love that. Excellent. Th- those are good goals to make. Travel goals are good goals yes. to make at the beginning of the new year. I love it. Yep. And then tomorrow you start making the plans because you got to turn that goal into a plan and make it happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, you keep us updated on the, uh, on the, on the flights. Okay. When they go down, David. Yes. Okay. Sounds guy. good. <laughs> Uh, hey, wild goalie Mark andre Fleury, the flower as they call him, uh, had a momentous day last night. He became just the fourth NHL goalie ever to make his 1,000th start. He has started 1,000 wow. hockey games. He's been playing for over 20 years. Um, he has also made, get this, 28,515 saves. Uh, so he is, like, think about that. He stopped the puck from going in the net over 28,000 times in his career. And I actually went to the uh, Wild game last night with my family, or yesterday afternoon with my family, and I was looking around the stadium going, there's 20,000 people. He has saved a goal for every single person in here and then another 8,000 on top of that. It's a, it's a, an extraordinary career. Um, wow. my, my question for you and all that, and I don't expect you to know necessarily about Marc-Andre Fleury, Jordana, but what I know you've been to a wild game before. I yes, hadn't been in a long time, and it was a really fun experience yesterday. W- mm-hmm. What did you jo- enjoy the most about uh, a wild hockey game when you've been? I love how fast hockey moves. I even sometimes yes. watch hockey on TV. Uh-huh. It's, it's, this is what I also appreciate about the NBA. Um, it's fast. Yes. It's, you know, baseball used to be slower, although the, the pitch clock has changed some of that. So that's kind of fun because I love a baseball game. But like football, there's so many breaks and they're stopping and they're changing and it's like so boring and it lasts forever. Uh, with with hockey, yeah. you know, it's, it's rare that they take breaks. They just sub out players and yeah. they're in and they're out. Oh. And I think also the what always astounds me, and maybe this is a silly answer, but is the athleticism of the players. Mm-hmm. Because we watch them, and, and those of you who like grew up in utero on skates, you know, it's a little different for you because skating is like walking, but that's how it is for them. They're actually skating on ice. They're skating. They're not running or walking. They're, you know, also skating while trying to make these plays and um, talk, communicate with each other. I think mm-hmm. the athleticism yeah. of hockey is really cool to watch. Well, and I think actually it's almost um, more impressive for folks who know how to skate. Like I, I never played hockey, but I know how to skate and mm-hmm. I've played a few pickup games and I'm watching them play yesterday and like they can pick up a loose puck like gain speed and then weave around three people all in four seconds. And like I've skated enough to know that that is a really, really hard to do. And they're doing it like all day, every day. I I, I agree. It's a really impressive sport to watch. And you said it, the speed that that game moves at is Mm -hmm. amazing. 
So hockey's very cool. I, I could do without the fights because I don't like violence ever and certainly not violence in sports. But um, yeah, hockey's a cool sport. There was a fight. It's Winnipeg and they're kind of a rivalry team. So there was a fight mm. two seconds into the game. Like as soon as they dropped the puck, these two players oh just started fighting. It's a little, oh boy. It's a little dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, most major uh, banks, post offices, shipping services closed today in honor of uh, New Year's Day. However, mm-hmm. most national retailers, uh, grocery stores, restaurant chains, and stuff like that will be open. A couple notable exception, exceptions. Uh, Costco closed today. Trader Joe's mm-hmm. also closed mm-hmm. today. So if we're heading out, uh, skip those. Jor, what, uh, what do you typically do on a New Year's Day? Do you have any routine that uh, you do to celebrate the New Year? You know, usually I'm working, so uh, that for sure. But I I read, I was reading in the Times this morning that January is uh, the organization month, right? A lot of us make a resolution that, okay, we're going to organize stuff. And I will say that yesterday I cleaned out my closet and I organized the Tupperware drawer. So we put up some shelves in Ruby's room. Like, I think... I think that's it. I think we feel like this. Oh, it's the beginning of a new year. I want to go into the new year, right? I want to, you know, get the stuff out of the way. So I think today will be, and and I I feel like I do this a lot at the beginning of a new year. Yeah. Uh, you know, look around, get rid of the clutter, mm-hmm. make some space, and um, sort of organize things because yeah. you know everything's closed. There's nothing to do. You hang out at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but that at least makes me feel very productive. Yeah. When stuff's cleaned out. So that is something that I tend to do. I didn't think of it as uh-huh. like a tradition, but I tend to do that around New Year's. Uh, what about you? Any tradition? Uh, no, I'm kind of like you. I don't, I don't have no specific tradition. I usually end up uh, working on not enough sleep, as I guess is my tradition as of late. Um, I think you're right, though, with like the organizing and stuff. And I think yeah. that's something yeah. that if you mm-hmm. were to ask me in June... Like, oh, do you care about New Year's? Do you set resolutions? Do you, you know, want to reset at the New Year? I go, ah, I don't really care. But then when you get here to New Year's and you go, I kind of do care. Like, yes, it does sound nice to go home and, like, reorganize some things yes. and have a fresh start yes. with life and start some new routines. So uh, we, we will try to do that. I'll, I'm not going to make a list, though, because then, then you can look back and see that you failed. <laughs> But we will try. Well, to that's true. Stuff. Yeah, but yeah. no. But even if you just straighten things up, I mean, it's so satisfying yes. to yeah. like walk into your closet after you've taken out a third of it that you haven't yes. worn, <laughs> and <coughs> excuse my cough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I taught even the Tupperware draw, friends. Yes. You know that took ten minutes, but doing the Tupperware, and then when you open it, you're like, oh, this is good. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, I don't know, it makes me feel so productive. I tell you one so, thing, we're going to do for sure is we are ready to take down our Christmas decorations. Like we oh. we put them up right after Thanksgiving. We enjoy, we thoroughly enjoy having a house that's decorated and lit for Christmas. And then as soon as it's January first or second, yep. we're like, all right. Put everything back in the bins. Let's get it all taken down. I, I, we don't want that stuff to linger. See, and that's also, I think, an important part of the change that you're making. This is a new year, so you are you're marking it. You know, you're not dragging the last year in. Like yeah. when Hanukkah was done, we took down. You know, after, on on the ninth day, it only lasts eight days. On the night, the, the decorations were down. Yeah. I agree. It's sort of like a, a it's like a physicality of moving on mm-hmm. into the new year, starting fresh clean slate. So that that is a good tradition and I think a a wise one. Um, When we get back, we're going to keep talking about the new year. Predictions for food. What are the food trends in the new year? But I wanted to leave us with this text. Hey, guys, for your travel topic you were just talking about, this texter continues, at 6 a.m. tomorrow, we complete a bucket list item. We're flying to Havana 
for a week-long humanitarian aid trip. Wow. That sounds, I I literally got chills. That sounds amazing. Because yes, I would love to go to Cuba too. Um, and And a humanitarian trip. What a gift to humanity you are that you are taking time to help others. Thank you for that. And thank you for sharing. Safe travels, my friend. We'll be right back. Maybe your resolutions are surrounding food. Oftentimes, we make resolutions about food, that we're going to eat healthier, that we're going to lose weight, or whatever it's going to be. Well, in the Star Tribune, there are nine predictions for how we're going to eat in 2024. Now, you guys know I try not to talk about it too much because it's really annoying when people talk about their eating habits or how much they ate or how little they ate. But Mark and I recently went vegan. We were already kosher, so it wasn't that big a leap. We just omitted meat and, you know, animal products. It wasn't that hard. Um, and we feel good. We like it. It's it's fine for us. It's totally fine. We're not huge foodies, so it wasn't like a sacrifice for us. But uh, I'm looking at these trends or predictions for how we're going to eat. By the way, no one says go vegan, so you definitely don't have to do that. Uh, they say snacks are going to be all the rage in 2024. That's right. Meals are so 2023. That, right. It's all about snacks. I, I don't know about that. I mean, I like a meal. But they say we're going to have interesting new cuisine kind of snacks. For example, cultural hybrids like a shawarma crunch wrap. A shawarma is very Middle Eastern and a crunch wrap sounds more like a Taco Bell kind of thing. So sort of like a snack collaboration, right? Uh, A a shawarma crunch wrap. I'm sure that sounds delicious, by the way. So they say snacks. And by the way, that's probably a good way to eat. You know, smaller meals throughout the day. We've all heard that advice. But it is nice to sit down to a meal with friends or family. Um, But snacks are going to be the big thing. That's kind of how my kids eat. They sort of snack all day. They say water is going to be bigger than ever. There's something called water talk, like water TikTok. Millions of people adding powders and syrups and whatever to those giant water bottles. Have you guys seen these? One of them is called the Stanley. That's like the trendy water bottle now. It has a... It has a handle on the side. It mm-hmm. looks like a gallon. They're, right, David? You've seen these. They're huge. Yeah, they're, Everybody's carrying them around. Yes, they're massive, and not everyone's carrying it's, it's mostly beige moms that are carrying those around. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and teenagers. But, yes. But yeah. yes, they're mm-hmm. like a... And then the straw sticks out eight inches in the top, so the whole yes. thing's like a foot and a half tall. It's massive. Yes. Yes. So, so drinking water is great. You don't need a $25 tumbler to do it in. But um, the strip says it's going to be a premium hydration category. So like fancy waters, you know, where your water is coming from and, you know, different things to put in it. So hydration is going to be a big trend. How do you feel about that, Jordana? Are you like want to just drink regular water or are you into like different yeah, I drink types regular. of water, I drink tap water. Or flavored or whatever? No, I mean, I drink tap water in my house. I have a Hofferman water filter that we put in the house when we got, we, we built it. And um, so, no, we, I drink water from the tap through, you know, through the filter. But <laughs> I will say, David, I do get like seltzer water, you know, from Costco flavored water, because to me, that's more of like a snack thing. Like in the afternoon, if I'm, I don't know, want something a little different, but don't know what I, I'm not really hungry, don't know what I want, I'll have a, a bubbly water. Because, or like with dinner, instead of drinking a soda, even though you know I know of my diet Coke a day, uh, but only one a day, um, I'll drink a bubbly water. So yeah, we kind of do the 
the seltzer water in our house. Do you? Do you have fancy water in the house? Uh, we do, but I'm kind of backing off and going the other way and trying to drink less of mm. it because I just think it's kind of dumb. Like, for and I, I guess I shouldn't judge other people, but for me, like it's just water. I can drink water. I don't need yeah. to go buy yeah. a case of water for five dollars that like is pomegranate flavored. Like I don't care. Just yeah. give me a glass of water and I'll move on with my day. Mark even said to me as as we poured a can of water into a glass, and he's like. Can you believe all this aluminum just for a glass of water? And it made me feel a little bad. It did. But I don't know that that's going to stop me from buying it because I do like it as a, I don't know, just like a yeah. treat in the afternoon. It is. If you say it's a, it's an alternative to soda, well, then, okay, that's right. a good thing to have. If you're mm-hmm. going to try to only drink one soda a day and have a couple of those instead, like that's a good life decision, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Now I feel better. Um, Whole Foods is saying buckwheat is going to have a year. Do you? What, what is buckwheat, David? Uh, can you help me? It's like an alternative grain. Like you can make a buckwheat pancake I've heard of or whatever, but it's just a different oh. type of grain. Like a quinoa or something like that? Yeah, but used in baking things. I mean, you wouldn't just have like, yeah, it's not a substitute for pasta. It'd be like a substitute for... Okay. Flour or in addition to flour. Or fla- oh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. They're saying buckwheat uh, in a spiced or buckwheat is being spiced with chai or vanilla turned into drinks. Again, the year of the drink. Um, they're saying a crunchy layer of buckwheat on like a monkfish. Oh, so maybe like a panko. It's like a different kind of panko. I get it now. Well, buckwheat. Apparently, that's according to Whole Foods. I have no idea. It's not going to work for me. Definitely. No, I don't think that's going to be a thing for me. Uh, then they're saying real foods. Oh, well, I know we have to take a break. Real foods. And this has been a trend for a while. And this is, I think, one of the reasons that we went vegan, uh, to get away from ultra-processed foods. Ultra-processed foods. They continue to be toxic. People continue to eat them. We continue to learn more about them. Uh, so they're saying, like, ultra-processed foods. And you know what they are. You know, the snacks that can last on your uh, in your pantry forever. You know, the potted meats, even things like SpaghettiOs that you are feeding to your kids because it's easy and I'm not judging. I fed that to my kids also. But they're saying ultra-processed foods are out and you're, we're going to go with more things like plant-based, but also um, transparency. You're going to see like instead of spicy citrus, you're going to see habanero. You're going to see more transparency in what's in the food. And that is a great trend. I think that's uh, really nice, not in a going away from farm to table way. Farm to table is still a good trend, but less ultra processed foods, which I think is going to be uh, a benefit to all of us. So a couple of food trends, articles in the Star Tribune piqued my interest. You can check it out uh, if you're interested. When we get back, uh, we want to talk more about what is happening globally. We spent some time talking about the Israel-Hamas war. Now we're going to talk about Ukraine. Joe Lindsley uh, spoke with David earlier today, and he says it has been a very dark time for Ukraine. Let's check in with Joe from Ukraine next. It's been called the most massive attack from the air yet. I'm talking about the attack on Ukraine from Russia. Yes, friends, (laughs) it has been so long. We have not forgotten our Ukrainian friends and our American friends that are telling the stories of Ukrainian terror, Russian terrorism against Ukraine and the Ukrainian people still fighting for their freedom, their autonomy, and their ability to live freely in their country. Checking in with Joe Lindsley once more. Joe, 
Joe refers to himself, and you know he's been a friend of the show. He's been on with us now for since the very beginning of the war. He refers to himself on his um, Instagram, the only American reporting in Ukraine every day until victory. And yeah, I want to know if he thinks victory is still possible. He is joining us from Ukraine. Joe Lindsley from Ukrainian Freedom News. Thank you so much for joining us. Jordana, happy New Year's Day to you, or uh, Novo Rokum, as they would say here in Ukraine. And, uh, you know, in Ukraine, uh, Novo Rokum. And despite the, I mean, we've been through, we've been slapped around a lot uh, the past several days. In fact, just uh, about an hour ago, there was a rush on New Year's Day, a Russian drone strike upon Kiev, the capital city. Uh, There was an attack upon Odessa. Uh, yesterday. And at about four o'clock this morning, we had a drone attack upon Lviv. Uh, the Russians used the drones to very precisely hit the Ukrainian museum that's very uh, important to the history of Ukrainian independence. Uh, clearly, it was, I mean, it was a, it was a direct hit. Uh, so we do see these precision hits. Uh, notably, though, that, you know, it's important to note through all of this that uh, it is Christmas for Ukrainians. They celebrate it very uh, fiercely, and they will continue to celebrate it through the month of January uh, in the streets of Lviv. Uh, you, people are fairly exhausted, but you hear people singing the songs of the season. They greet each other. Uh, instead of saying good evening or good morning, they say Christos Rodevsa, which means Christ is born. And then the response is Slovimo Yoho, which means glory to him. And you hear that everywhere uh, throughout the city. It is kind of like living in, in a Charles Dickens, uh, you know, in a Christmas carol. Yes. Uh, and so this is despite uh, sort of the hell that has been unleashed. And, you know, for... For really throughout the fall, uh, in my daily report on WGN Radio and other places, I was trying to remind, tell Americans that, you know, a, a year ago, in, in 2022, uh, Russians pounded Ukraine with about 80 to 100 missiles every single week. Uh, the infrastructure was heavily damaged. There was no power, no electricity. That has not happened this year. And a lot of that is due to what Ukrainians have been able to do to the Russian uh, Navy in the Black Sea. Uh, they've used long-range missiles from the United Kingdom, to, to disrupt uh, Russian operations in the Black Sea, and it's made it very difficult for Russia to attack. But everyone knew that the day was coming, that Russia, you know, if you give Russia enough time, they're going to figure out, uh, they're going to resupply, and they're going to figure out a new strategy. And we knew that day was coming. So that day arrived on the 29th, uh, Thursday, Friday, in the middle of the night, and it, it was hell. It was um, 122 uh, missiles throughout the country, uh, plus mm. about three dozen drones. And, uh, you know, it, 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 there was, it sort of came in two parts. First, there was, and I was here in Lviv at the time, uh, there were drone attacks, and the, it was a very foggy, cloudy night, and I'm, I'm overlooking the center of Lviv, and it was like watching some bizarre fantasy movie because you could see the searchlights frantically looking for these incoming Iranian-made drones. Uh, you can hear them. They sound like mopeds or lawnmowers, but they move pretty slowly, and they're very nimble. And then you hear the machine gun fire frantically trying to shoot them down. And at one point, that machine gun fire was coming from the center of the city, uh, from these beautiful fairy tale-like buildings. Uh, you see this modern uh, weaponry uh, being deployed to, to, to stop these drones. And, 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 and then there were a number of explosions. And, and th- but that was, that's fairly normal. That happens now and then. And then mm-hmm. a couple hours later, the all-clear alarm sounded. And... And then maybe about 10 minutes later, uh, we began to have reports that the Russians were launching a, a huge range of missiles, including the hypersonic Kinzhal missiles that can only be stopped by the Patriot missile battery from the U.S. 
And Ukraine only has a handful of these batteries. So <laughs> Kyiv is protected, but we don't have that here in Lviv. They don't have that in Kharkiv. And uh, a few moments later, I mean, these all, it's an absolutely awful sound, the sound of incoming missiles. Uh, it's something that, that, that goes deep into your soul. Uh, in quick succession, there were three missiles that hit here in Lviv uh, within just about a minute and a half. Uh, and I was walking by a church at the time, and I heard people, uh, in, you know, they're, they're, I heard that there was a choir chanting in the church for the morning uh, mass, and they kept going <laughs> even mm. during these strikes while the city is being rattled and, 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 and shaking. And, and, you know, the world sort of, the media paid attention to that story. But then the next day, uh, on Saturday, uh, the city of Kharkiv, where I spent a lot of time, 30 miles from Russia, uh, they, they got, they've been hit. Uh, uh, Russia is, is doing something extremely sinister right now, the way they are attacking Kharkiv. Kharkiv has not been hit like this since the very first weeks of the full-scale invasion. On Thursday, Friday, 23 Russian missiles hit the city of Kharkiv a city that has really come back to life in the past six months. So there's a lot of people there. Uh, I, I've been there when there have been eight missiles, but never 23. And over the weekend, they hit a hotel in the center of the city, a five-star hotel where foreign media and, 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 and others would stay. Uh, my, the coffee shop I would used to go to uh, every day in Kharkiv, I was hit at 1 o'clock in the morning Sunday by an Iranian drone. It's totally gone. Uh, they are pounding Kharkiv. And I've never heard fear in the voices of people in Kharkiv, but I hear that now. You mentioned these are Iranian-backed missiles. You, you said you knew that everybody knew that Russia was going to rearm after a period of quiet. Um, you know, Ukraine has done an incredible job of fighting back against this invasion from Russia. How has Russia rearmed, re-upped? Who is supporting them in their ta- attempted takeover of Ukraine? Well, we see, so these, the, the drones uh, were originally made in Iran. We have some indications that now they're starting to build these in Russia. Uh, but, you know, we, we, there's also indications that, uh, you know, obviously that China has been cooperating uh, with Russia. But the main thing that we see is, you know, this is what has happened several times in these past couple of years. You know, Ukraine will open, crack open a window of opportunity. And what they did to, to disrupt the Russian Navy was extraordinary. And, and that was largely thanks to uh, these storm shadow missiles from the United Kingdom uh, and to Ukrainian sea drones. With, with great ingenuity, they were able to sneak, uh, so these drones go through the water, and they were able to do sneak attacks on major Russian ships. And what Ukraine has done, it's made it unsafe for any Russian vessel to be in the Black Sea. And everyone sort of forgets this. We heard the news of, you know, uh, last summer there, there, there had been a year-long grain deal brokered by Turkey and the U.N. and others mm-hmm that allowed the export of Ukrainian grains, and Russia had agreed to it. That deal fell apart in July, but by August, Ukraine was able to ship goods and grain through the Black Sea because of their military work, especially because of those storm shadow missiles and because of the drones. And so what Ukraine had was a window of opportunity. Uh, Zelensky was in Washington in September. He begged for more uh, long-range support. The U.S. gave about 17 of these long-range attacking missiles as soon, uh, uh, miss, yeah, along, uh, they're called attackers. Uh, as soon as they arrived in October, Ukraine used them. They hit Russian air bases on Ukrainian territory. And Ukraine is showing if they have the tools, they can do it. But Washington won't give the tools, uh, Jordana. And, and not only that, but they won't give the permission for Ukrainians to hit the Russian bases from which Russia launches these attacks. So Ukrainians are... Why? They, they hit. 
Well, this Why? is the question that needs to be asked in, in, in Washington. And, you know, there, there's, there, there's different aspects here. One, you know, we had have, we have the death of Henry Kissinger uh, a few months ago, right? The people, there's a lot of people who believe sort of his school of thought that the world needs to have Russia in the global balance. You know, they, they just can't imagine a world without Russia. And so they're terrified of some idea of Russian defeat. Uh, there's other people that stand to benefit from a long war. Uh, they, they don't want a quick victory for Ukraine because then the defense contracts will go away. And so there's different motivations, which we really need the press to examine very rigorously. But if you look at you know, the debate in Washington on the spending package for Ukraine, uh, you know, whatever it was, $60 billion or so, and, and even Ukrainians and, and their allies in Europe are saying, you know, we, that this money is needed. But it's not the money that's needed. That, that package, if you look closely, it does not actually contain anything that will change the game here. It only is sort of like continued life support uh, for Ukraine. But there's, there's no promise in that package of long-range weapons for Ukraine, and there's no permission for Ukraine to hit targets on Russian soil. And uh, on uh, the day before this massive Russian attack, the biggest of the war, the, uh, there were reports in the city of Belgorod, which is about 30 miles on the other side. It's in Russia. It's very close to Kharkiv. And from that city, the Russians frequently attacked Ukraine. Ukrainians are able to send sort of short-range missiles and drones to that city every now and then. They don't really have the blessing of Washington to do so, but they have to start doing something. And so something happened on Wednesday. Ukrainians had an attack, it seemed, on Belgorod. We don't know. Maybe it was also Russian air, de- air defense uh, misfired, and there were civilians killed in Russia. Immedi- and we, we see this sort of happening with Israel sometimes. Immediately, the United Nations uh, you know, issued a big statement. They had a Security Council meeting condemning Ukraine, <clears throat> for attacking. And so as soon as Ukraine gets a chance to hit targets on Russian soil, which is the only thing that's going to let this end, they get attacked. And, and, then, and then the next day, after that small, it's seemingly Ukrainian attack, we still don't know, the next day we have this massive attack by Russia. Massive, like mind-blowing. And in the media, that's from The Economist to the BBC, they call that Russia retaliating for this tiny attack. And so Ukraine never gets to retaliate, but Russia does. And so even we, we think that the world supports Ukraine, but there's a fundamental uh, incoherence, I think, in, in, in the way we talk about what's happening here. I guess I just don't understand why and what the what the United States thinks is going to happen. Like, how is this going to come to a conclusion? And like you like you write in your Instagram post reporting every day until victory. I mean, Joe. Is victory possible for the Ukrainians? It, it is. Well, in one sense, you know, everything I've seen in this country, Ukrainians will not surrender. They don't want to live like Russians, uh, especially now. Now they have ever more reasons not to do that. Uh, so it's not, it's a, they won't keep fighting until the end. But what we see, and Russia knows this, that Ukraine, they want to bleed out Ukraine. You know, and I, I you know, there, I, I, there was, this is happening, you know. There, there's so much suffering at the front mm-hmm. and in the cities. Uh, their goal is to bleed out Ukraine. And, you know, especially since Hamas attacked Israel, the Russians have controlled the, the narrative and the propaganda about what's happening. Hardly anyone talks about Ukraine's successes. And, and we have this, this sort of ridiculous, you know, spending proposals in Washington that are not serious about, about victory for Ukraine. And so this is, this is uh, exactly what Russia wants. Uh, American yeah. politicians on all sides are playing directly into Russian hands. And you know, when, when I, I've intensely been asking Americans I know, like Americans, including in Congress and very wealthy people who pay for people in Congress, I've been asking them the past weeks, why don't you support Ukraine? 
And and the the answer I hear is well, there's you know we're, we're frustrated with the border. There's so many difficulties in America. America's a mess. Uh, you know we can't worry about this. And the Russians know that, and they are feeding that fire every chance they get. Joe, we have about a minute left, but what do you need, and how do you see this ending? You know the way the way I see this ending is if some smart people with large audiences in America, you know, on the so-called right of center spectrum, people who have been skeptical of Ukraine, not like Tucker Carlson, people that don't lie, but are good reporters, and someone like Ben Shapiro, maybe, or Joe Rogan, Mm -hmm. they've Mm -hmm. been ignoring Ukraine. And if somehow they see that they've been lied to, that actually the White House, when they say they're supporting, it's a fake support. And and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and if someone like that can wake up and Americans, Americans can realize that this can be done, efficiently, economically, if you just get Ukraine the long-range weapons. And, you know, just think about that attack that happened on Thursday and Friday in the morning. The, you know, if you look at a map of, of Europe, Ukraine is the largest country in Europe. If Russians can send that type of hellfire all the way here, almost to the Polish border, if they're successful here, they can send missiles anywhere they want in Europe without compunction, you know, with, with no problem. And the world really should, should start paying attention to that. Joe Lindsley, again, Ukrainian Freedom News. Please check him out online. Joe is not only a journalist, but also an activist supplying troops with humanitarian things that they need. Uh, Joe, before I let you go, I mean, how are you staying safe? You know, th- these are difficult days for everyone here. It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's heavy. And, uh, you know, one thing that does help uh, is, is the spirit of the season, uh, the way Ukrainians sing together. And uh, I was just talking with friends who were playing uh, American spirituals in the Ukrainian hospital for soldiers uh, who have been badly wounded. And they, they so much appreciate this. And so that is how people are keeping going. Uh, we have great supporters in the U.S. that you know, send money for drones and things that the, the soldiers need. Uh, that's how we keep going. But these are heavy days. And, you know, w- we've had so many alarms and attacks through the weekend. I think we're facing these next days. And well, I'll just be, I'm even just looking at the next days. We're facing some of the most intense and difficult times when every bit of strength is required to keep going. Joe, I'm thinking about you every day and the people of Ukraine and uh, wishing you a hopeful, a victorious and eventually a happy new year because um, you guys are suffering and you've been doing incredible work. And I would just love there to be peace for all of you and, and sovereignty for Ukraine. Always. Thank you. And uh, happy new year as well to you. Thank you, Joe. We'll check back in with Joe again soon. And uh, I love that Joe is a hopeful person and he understands what he needs. But uh, we are it just it seems dire there. It seems that Russia, with the backing of Iran, of course, who also backs Hamas, uh, it's, it's just a constant flow of money. And if the Ukrainians are waning on American support, I just I pray that some truth and some justice will be done in this world for all those that are suffering. It's a hard conflict. Uh, Thank you for um, listening, getting an education with me, and we'll be right back. I just want to give a shout out to my husband. I just have a minute left, but when we talk about our new year and our resolutions, one of my resolutions, despite this dark world, was to be grateful for everything I have. It is a mitzvah. Or it is a commandment to be happy in Judaism. And I tell you, when I look around, I see my family, I see a safe place to live, see a good job, I am so grateful. And I got to be honest, Mark just brought me breakfast 
I'm working from home today. He brought me breakfast. He brought me my meds. I am so grateful for my husband, and he is a great husband, and he, hopefully he is listening to me say all of that. And I, I hope that you can find something to be over the moon grateful about today on this new year because we want to go into the new year positive and with hope and with um, the idea of success and gratitude in our brain. So thank you for that time to just let me get that off my chest. I love my guy, and I'm very happy. Uh, when we get back, some new laws are going to – minimum wage workers are also going to be pretty happy. They're getting a boost. Uh, new laws going into effect in Minnesota starting today. We'll share some of them next after the news. <coughs>